What's happening, guys? Pete Mundo, HeartlandCollegeSports.com. It's our radio show in podcast form. Appreciate you listening and downloading it. And if you want a free Heartland College Sports koozie, all you got to do is take a screenshot of your review on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. Email it to me, Pete Mundo at HeartlandCollegeSports.com. And we got a koozie on your way. Enjoy the show, and we'll talk to you soon. Safeties drop really deep. Handoff Sermon over the left side. Big hole. 30. First down. 25. 20. Breaks a tackle. 15. 10. 5. The minister is into the end zone. Preach. Mason takes the ball, fakes a handoff, fires over the middle. It's caught by Aitman, and he takes it into the end zone. He juggled it for a moment, but got it back. Pistols firing. Touchdown, Oklahoma State's Marcel Aitman. There's more to us than that. Two receivers left, one right. Quarterback keeper here, 30-yard line, Jesse 25-20, 15-10-5 to the goal line, touchdown! 35 yards on the run for Jesse Ertz. Turpin in motion, they fake to him, hand to Hicks, he'll walk in and score! Hit the horn with 7.39 to play in the second quarter, and the Horn Frogs now go up 13-7 in advance. 2,000 country stations, yeah, we're one big country nation, that's right. Well, happy July 4th week. It's always great to be here with you. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. And, uh, you know, we are getting closer and closer to Big 12 media days, which is a good thing. I'm going to be down there in Frisco, Texas in just over a week from now. Our staff will be there, and we cannot wait to bring you the best independent Big 12 coverage anywhere. No one else is doing what we're doing. I mean, that's just uh, that's just a fact right now. It is. Well, we have a lot to dive into, and where I want to kick things off is with what Lincoln Riley had to say about the Big 12 to defend the Big 12, and it was pretty darn impressive. You know, Bob Stoops did a great job at this at the end of his tenure. He became the spokesman for the Big 12 in many ways, and he propped up the Big 12, and he always beat the SEC in big bowl games like that game against Auburn in the Sugar Bowl a couple of years ago. There was the Sugar Bowl against Alabama a bunch of years ago. He always seemed to have his way with the SEC. He beat Tennessee twice in the regular season. And it was good for the Big 12 to have that guy that had national respect and who people said, you know what, when Bob Stoops talks, I'm going to listen. Now, Lincoln Riley doesn't have that cachet because he's, you know, 30-some-odd years old and hasn't won a national title and hasn't won multiple Big 12 championships. But hopefully one day he'll be on that same level. Well, Lincoln Riley took a nice swipe at Georgia and the SEC earlier this week. He went on SiriusXM's ESPNU channel, and Lincoln Riley, who, let's remember, Lincoln Riley's not a guy who is typically a good soundbite. I mean, I got to be honest. I find him to be a great football coach, but I find him to be incredibly boring. But Lincoln Riley actually broke out of his shell here. And he told SiriusXM this week, he said, if you throw Georgia in the Big 12 every year, there is no way they are a top five defense in the country. Riley added, that's not a shot at Georgia. They were absolutely one of the best defenses last year. It's a compliment to our league. Of course, referring to the Big 12. 
And Lincoln Riley could not be more right. You know, Georgia has a great defense. They've got studs on every level. And there's no doubt they'd be the best defense in the Big 12. But the idea that they'd be a top five, top five defense in the country is asinine because they simply wouldn't be. And Lincoln Riley is smart. He knows this. And he realizes that, you know what, it's time for me to speak up. You know, right now, the conference is set up as such where who's going to be that guy that when he speaks, the nation listens? I don't mean the fan base listens. I don't mean the conference listens. I mean the nation listens. Let's go down the list. It's not Matt Rule. It's David Beatty. People are going to say, who? No offense. Bill Snyder's respected. But, you know, if Bill Snyder said something like this, it would not get national headlines. It just wouldn't. Matt Campbell, same deal. Good guy, respected. Eh, not getting national headlines. Lincoln Riley, yes. Mike Gundy, maybe. Maybe. But I, I don't think so. Tom Herman, eh. Same kind of spot. Young guy, hasn't really won anything. Uh, you know, you'd, you'd listen, you'd hear it. I'm not sure it'd gain any national cachet, though. Cliff Kingsbury, no way. Uh, Gary Patterson, yes, and Gary Patterson has done that, and he will continue to do that. He'll continue to fight for the Big 12. And Dana Holgerson, eh, once again. So the two strongest voices in this conference in order are Gary Patterson at TCU and then Lincoln Riley. Patterson, just because he's a veteran, he's been around the block, he clearly, I mean, if you watched, ESPN did this during the college football playoff. They had those coaches' film rooms. Uh, Gary Patterson was unbelievable during those. I mean, he, he was just so good during that Oklahoma game. I was so thoroughly impressed, and I knew he was going to be that good because if you listen to this guy talk in post-game press conferences or at Big 12 Media Days or wherever it might be, uh, he's just as sharp as it gets. He's fantastic. So he's number one in the hierarchy for the Big 12, and then Lincoln Riley's number two. But the thing that Lincoln Riley has over Gary Patterson is while Gary Patterson certainly is somebody that people listen to and respect the hell out of, the cachet of Oklahoma is always going to be greater than TCU. That's just how it is. So when the Oklahoma coach comes out and, you know, he plays Georgia in the college football playoff and, you know, he hangs a ton of points on him even though he loses – and he basically says Georgia would not be a top five defense in the country if they were in the Big 12, that's a compliment, as Lincoln Riley said, to our league, the Big 12. Now, what we also have to have an honest conversation about is that, yes, the Big 12 offenses are fantastic, but the defenses have to come along. And the best thing that's happening for the Big 12 right now is that they are getting new faces at the head coaching level and what those people want to do with both sides of the ball. Matt Rule brings in more of a pro-style system. Yes, he has elements of the old spread-em-out type of game and the running gun and the whole thing, but he does run a more traditional offense. It was not the Art, It is not the Art Bryles offense. That's a good thing for the Big 12. Matt Campbell is doing his thing. He is also not running that traditional spread offense that we've seen in the Big 12 time and time again. Gary Patterson used to have more of a pro style. Now he's opened it up a bit, but he has also made sure to include the running game a whole lot more. Lincoln Riley has kind of that power spread going with the running game. Same thing with Tom Herman down in Texas. You know, the only guy that's that's truly running 
that classic Big 12 offense that you think about is Cliff Kingsbury and the Kansas Jayhawks with David Beatty, and to a lesser extent, West Virginia and Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State are introducing some elements, so is West Virginia, but Kansas with Doug Meacham at offensive coordinator. Uh, Gary Patterson was fed up with Doug Meacham when he was co-offensive coordinator with Sonny Cumbie down at TCU. So Meacham left, he went up to Kansas, and Kansas tried to you know do that classic spread amount offense last year, and it was a total disaster because every position, I mean, they were decent at wide receiver and running back, but the offensive line and the quarterback play was horrendous. Absolutely horrendous. So you're seeing more looks on the offensive side of the ball for the Big 12, which is very important as this league continues to bring back credibility, grow momentum, and progress forward. That is very good for the conference. On the flip side, the defense still needs to start improving and still needs to get more credibility. And you're starting to see it. You know, Lincoln Riley's recruited very well in his couple of years, and he's continuing that trend with right now a top five, six class in 2016, or 2019, excuse me. And also, you have a guy like Tom Herman. Tom Herman just landed a four-star safety, Chris Adamora, who committed to Texas over Alabama and USC, guy to California. And you think about the fact that Tom Herman just landed three of the top six safeties in the entire country. That's a huge grab. And I think a lot of these guys are going to be hybrid safety linebackers in a league like the Big 12. Or, of course, you're going to be playing nickelback. But it's not going to be your traditional safety who's, you know, 5'10", 185 pounds or 190 pounds. I think you're going to have some big boys playing safety like you would have in the SEC. But still, what the Big 12 still needs, especially on defense, is more oomph on that defensive line. They've got to get back to getting the guys in Houston and Dallas, the big four- and five-star bruisers at defensive tackle, and that's going to take just a continuing improvement of this conference on that side of the ball and different elements of what the offenses are doing. And the fact that less and less teams are playing that true Big 12 spread is actually a good thing because it means defensive tackles are not going to just dismiss the Big 12 and say, why would I go play there? Now they can justify playing in the league. Yes, there's still going to be the teams that are going to do the classic Big 12 spread out offense, but there's going to be enough else going on that allows them to showcase their stuff for the next level in the NFL. And that's ultimately, let's be honest, what these guys are trying to do. Pete Mundo on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Always great to have you on board. Part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. Well, making some noise this week. An interesting bit of noise. The Kansas Jayhawks. Some anonymous sources talking about what they might do at their head coaching position. But more importantly what their future is in the Big 12 Conference. And I think this is very interesting. I'll get to it next right here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. So the Kansas Jayhawks are making some news, and it's 
actually for good and bad reasons at the same time. Pete Mundo on HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Always appreciate you guys being a part of the show. Of course, uh, HeartlandCollegeSports.com is your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. I've used to work in uh, Woodward, Oklahoma in radio. Now I'm in Kansas City doing a morning show there. And in between, spend time in New York for CBS and Sports Illustrated. So just really glad that we got this thing going and glad you're a part of it as well as we uh, get closer and closer to the 2018 season. I just, I can't wait. So Dennis Dodd did a really good piece on CBS Sports talking about uh, the Kansas Jayhawks. And I was surprised that Dennis Dodd spent this much time on KU, but it was more about a big picture here for Kansas and the reality of college football. You know, David Beatty has not gotten the job done. And I'm somebody who has supported David Beatty. Over the past couple of years, I thought this Kansas team could actually, you know, get to that two, three, four win mark if things went right. I was wrong. This program is in shambles. It's in horrible shape. They were losing games by 40-plus points on a regular basis last season. David Beatty, who's had three years, has not gotten it done. He's going to have a fourth year, and I don't see how he gets a fifth. Got to be honest, don't see how he gets a fifth with a new athletic director coming to town. So Dodd wrote about this, but what was interesting was that he wrote about it from a uh, major conference standpoint, implying that KU being in a Power 5 conference could be at stake. Now, he certainly didn't have any proof, and he didn't pretend to in any way, shape, or form, but it still is interesting that it's even being discussed in an article like this. And an anonymous quote from one Power 5 athletic director told Dennis Dodd, they've never been able to embrace a blueprint for football. It's going to be tough no matter who gets hired. Now, you think back to Mark Mangino and exactly what he did uh, for this Kansas Jayhawks team, and nobody, I mean, nobody saw that coming. Not one single person saw that coming. But if you think about comparative schools to Kansas, Dodd rightly pointed out that both Wake Forest and Duke, basketball-first, smaller schools, have been able to build up respectable football programs. David Cutcliffe did a great job making Duke respectable in football. Nobody thought that was possible, and he's done it. I mean, they've gone bowling in a couple of years here. There's no reason that Kansas can't get to that 3, 4, 5 win mark, and that's all they have to do. You know, no one's going to sit here and expect Kansas to uh, go bowling every year, but if they can be competitive and win four games a year, I don't think anybody's going to go nuts. I don't. And I mean nuts in a bad way. But right now, it's so embarrassing. It's so pathetic. It's essentially a bye week for the Big 12. Now, what makes this tougher for the Kansas Jayhawks is the following. Actually, having a round-robin schedule hurts them. You know, in the SEC or the ACC or, uh, you know, the Big 10, when you have 14 teams, you are able to actually have easier schedules in certain years. And that's hugely important because if you're trying to rebuild a program and you get an easier schedule where maybe your tougher games are at home, you avoid the blue bloods like the Ohio States, the Clemsons, and the Alabamas, then maybe you pick up an extra win or two than you would in other years. And that allows you to recruit better, hit the trail better. And all of a sudden, all these different positives are coming out of that. 
Kansas doesn't have that luxury. You play the same nine teams every year. All you're doing is rotating home versus away. And that actually makes it more difficult for a team in the Big 12 to rebuild. Nobody wants to talk about that. Nobody wants to point it out. But it's the, tr- it's the truth. It is tougher to rebuild in the Big 12. And Kansas has a major problem on its hands because they got to pay somebody too. You know, this whole David Beatty paying him a million and a half bucks or whatever it might have been was a joke. They tried to do this on the cheap and it didn't work. And now it's time to pony up. You tried to take a guy from Texas A&M where he was the wide receivers coach and the recruiting coordinator and make him a head coach. That that doesn't work. It does not work. And Candace is now paying for it, and now they're going to have to make a big-time hire. And the good news is there are some big names out there. I don't, I don't know if a Brett Bielema would take it, but I'd hire him. You know, he's a K-State guy. He's got ties there, coached under Bill Snyder. A lot of people thought he could be Bill Snyder's eventual replacement. But, you know, we talked to Tim Fitzgerald last week of Go Power Cat, and we're all pretty convinced here that Bill Snyder's just going to do this until he doesn't feel like doing it anymore. And Brett Bielema was not going to sit around and wait. Les Miles, how bad does he want to get back in? The word is Les Miles wants to get back into college football. Bad enough he wants to coach at Kansas? Uh, he would need the money to hire a great staff around him because I think that's key for a guy like Les Miles who's in his 60s, will have been out of the game for a couple of years. I think he's got to have not just you know the $4 million bucks a year, but he's got to also have the ability to pony up for big-time assistant coaches. He has to do it. The most intriguing name here to me that Dennis Dodd lists as guys that could replace uh, David Beatty, who let's be honest, he's a dead man walking, is Hugh Freeze. I believe that bringing that style of an offense, and Freeze is an offensive mind, but it's not all, you know, Big 12 spread them out offense. There are some unique twists and turns to it. That Hugh Freeze is the kind of guy who actually could walk into Kansas, be a cultural fit. He's won at a place like Ole Miss and won big at a place like Ole Miss that is not a traditional winner. And you know, as long as he doesn't cheat, which, you know, in fairness, he had some issues there at Ole Miss, and maybe that's the only reason he did win, but if he can prove he can win without cheating, I think that Hugh Freeze is a very intriguing name, a guy looking for redemption, a, a man with a Christian background. Overall, many people will say is a good guy. I believe there's a lot of potential there. What What... I don't know. What I really don't want to do is go down the road of like Mike Bobo at Colorado State or just some guy from the group of five who's ready for the next leap. Kansas needs an earth-shattering hire to dig out of this funk. They do. People talk about Lane Kiffin. I don't, Lane Kiffin's not, he's not coming to Kansas. It'd be, you want to talk about fun. I mean, I hire Lane Kiffin tomorrow just from a media perspective. That would be as fun of a run of the Big 12 as you could possibly have, having Lane Kiffin in town. Oh, gosh, that'd be incredible. Add him to the mix of Lincoln Riley, Tom Herman, Matt Campbell, Matt Rule, all these guys, you know, 40 and under. That would be an incredible group of coaches at the Big 12 level. But I don't see Lane Kiffin bailing on FAU for Kansas. I think he's looking for a big-time jump because Lane Kiffin knows – that his next jump to the Power Five has to work. 
It's already, well, it didn't fail at Tennessee. It just ended badly. And then it failed at USC. So he can't go somewhere, fail again at the Power 5 level and be taken seriously. So Lane Kiffin's going to hold out. He's not going to risk it with the Kansas Jayhawks. I'd be shocked. Now, Lane Kiffin has shocked us all before, but even that would absolutely stun me if he even considered the Kansas Jayhawks. And I hate to talk about the job like this, but, you know, David Beatty has not gotten it done. He just hasn't. And I hope he puts together a five-win, or let's not go crazy here, three or four wins, and he can justify, with another few close losses, the fact that this program is turning the corner. That would be awesome. But after what I saw last year where the team in many ways regressed, uh, how, how are you going to sell me on the idea that that is even remotely possible. It's not. It's just, it's not. Look at the rest of the conference. Everybody else in the Big 12 is arguably getting better outside of maybe Oklahoma, which, you know, takes a slight step back, and Oklahoma State, who takes a maybe slight step back, uh, and, you know, possibly Texas Tech. But you can argue every other team in the Big 12 conference is going to be just as good, if not better, than they were uh, last year. So where do those improvements and wins come from for Kansas? I just don't see it. Well, coming up, let's talk top 25 players in the Big 12. We'll get to it next. So over at Heartland College Sports, we put together our uh, top 25 Big 12 players heading into the season. And naturally, a lot of you guys were upset about it. I I understand. I understand. But let me explain what exactly we were thinking. So here are the top five players in the Big 12, according to Heartland College Sports, heading into the 2018 season. At number five, we had OU running back Rodney Anderson. Feels like a no-brainer to me. Uh, One of the best running backs in the conference. Number four was West Virginia Mountaineers linebacker David Long. Maybe not a household name for some of you guys, but... He had 13 and a half tackles for loss in Big 12 games alone. He was injured early in the year. That was second in the conference behind only Kansas's Joe Deneen at linebacker. I mean, it's an an incredible number. And just because you're not paying attention to him doesn't mean he's not right up there. At number three, we had Iowa State running back David Montgomery. At number two, we had Oklahoma State running back Justice Hill. And then at number one... West Virginia Mountaineers quarterback Will Greer. Overlying theme, a couple of things. First off, the year of the running back in the Big 12. If there's ever a year for the running back to dominate the Big 12, this is it. Big names are gone. Mason Rudolph, Baker Mayfield, uh, Kenny Hill, and in steps guys that have to carry the load. David Montgomery, Rodney Anderson, Justice Hill. And these guys can do it. I mean, they are absolutely loaded and quality players who should have no problem uh, being the go-to guy on their respective teams. They can absolutely handle it. Now, Will Greer at number one is a no-brainer to me because the running back, excuse me, the quarterback, is still the most important position on the field. It's not even close, especially. Yes, we talked about the Big 12 throwing the ball less, but it's still the most important position in the game. I mean, bar none, not even close. And Greer's the best player at that position. Guy was a stud at Florida. He was a stud last year. You saw how badly this Mountaineers team missed him after he went down in that Texas game. And if there's ever a year, and there should be pressure on Dana Holgerson this year. I mean, he's got, 
I don't want to say a once-in-a-generation quarterback, but he certainly got a quarterback who comes around once every 10 years. Heading into his final year, upperclassman, been around the block. He's got it between the years. Everything about him. He's not Baker Mayfield, but damn, this is as close as West Virginia is going to get, if we're being honest. And if Dana Holgerson can't put together a 10-win campaign, I mean, hell, he did it two years ago. He's got to be able to do it this year with Will Greer. And if he's not competing for a Big 12 championship, I'll be disappointed in the Mountaineers. I will. Now, if they miss it by a game in mid or late November, they lose a tough one and they don't make Dallas, eh, I can kind of let it slide. But if I'm being fair, this is the kind of year that Dana Holgerson has to prove that, yeah, he's a stud. He can get it done as a head coach. And he's not just the guy that's going to win you, you know, seven games, eight games every year, and actually maybe get you to a Big 12 championship once every 10 years. He's got to do a little better than that. I mean, won 10 games with Skylar Howard two years ago. I know the defense was really good that year, but you got to do better here with Will Greer at quarterback. You just have to. But the biggest missing piece that a lot of you guys got on us for here was somebody we talked about earlier, and that's Kyler Murray. He's not in our top 25. And he may end up being a top five player in this conference. You know, maybe he is. But this guy hasn't played solid, consistent college football in years. Years. Why would I sit here and believe that Kyler Murray is suddenly going to be Baker Mayfield. I, I don't know what he has proven that would make me believe that. And yes, he may end up doing it. You know, he turned off baseball for a year. He may say, you know what? I can be that guy that replaces Baker Mayfield and maybe isn't Baker Mayfield but can do just as good a job. We saw Kenny Hill play eight games in 2015 at Texas A&M. Yes, he was a freshman. I get it. But he threw five touchdowns. He had seven interceptions. He completed 59% of his passes. I mean, I just, I have to see more, right? I mean, is that unreasonable to say I have to see more from Kyler Murray before I just classify him as a top 25 player in the conference? Why? Because he's the quarterback at Oklahoma? I'm just not doing it. I think ultimately he will be really good. But a big part of that's going to be because of the team he has around him and the players he has around him and the coaching staff he has around him. But I was not just going to throw Kyler Murray into the top 25 players in Big 12 this year simply because he's the quarterback at Oklahoma and he was once a five-star recruit in 2013 or whatever it was. I mean, that's irrelevant to me in July of 2018. It just is. I don't care. And in the little bit of spot duty he played last year, yeah, he looked good, but, you know, mostly mop-up duty. He had that big, long run against West Virginia. That was nice. Then he was done. So I, I'm just I'm not going nuts over it. I'm not. And I hope Kyler Murray proves me wrong for his sake. I do. Odds have come out for the Big 12, or for the entire college football, in terms of who could win the national championship. And the best odds, of course, are the Alabama Crimson tied at 9-5. to the Big 12 team with the best odds, OU at 25 to 1. What's interesting is that every other Power 5 conference has a team with better odds than the Big 12 in Oklahoma to win the national championship. The SEC has Alabama at 9 to 5. 
The ACC and the Big Ten have Clemson each at 5-1 and Ohio State at 5-1. Then you got the Pac-12, which has Washington at 15-1. So OU, and as a result, the Big 12, people believe are not going to win the national championship this year, or even make the college football playoff, just based on those numbers alone. The fact that it is the last of the Power 5 teams to have somebody with odds to win the national championship. After that, you got Texas at 30 to 1 and West Virginia at 60 to 1. Now, I know it's Texas. I know the defense is pretty good. I know Tom Herman's this great coach and all this stuff. But Texas doesn't even have its quarterback. Just somebody tell me what I'm missing here. When are college football betters going to stop being so foolish and so stupid and losing money on the Longhorns in August and July? When are they going to wake up and stop doing that to themselves? Anybody? Hello? Can you find them? We hear it time and time again. I mean, Texas, oh, the odds to win the Big 12, the odds to make the college football playoff. I don't even know who their quarterback is. And you can say, well, they got two options. Yeah, when you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. That's the old saying, and it's true here. Sam Ellinger had his moments. Shane Bouchelle had his moments. I think Ellinger's the guy, but, uh, you know, can I see a little more? And you're telling me Texas has odds that are twice as good as West Virginia to win the national championship? I mean, that's, cr- that's just crazy to me. I know Holgerson hasn't proven it, but has Tom Herman? Guy had a great team his final year at the uh, with the Houston Cougars, and he lost, what, three or four games? Uh, come on. I think Texas is making a big jump in year two, but, geez, the love is just, I'm sorry. It's, it's just too much. It really is. So each week, Derek Duke, who does a great job writing for our site, gets a, does a Big 12 mailbag. It comes out on Tuesdays. And one of the most interesting questions he got, first off, Iowa State's ceiling, what is it? I think Iowa State can be the team that is consistently going to bowl games and then is having a chance, I'm not saying winning, but having a chance to be in a Big 12 title chase or hunt come November once every four or five years if things click right. That's what this program can be, I believe, in its best case scenario. Similar to a Kansas State, similar to a West Virginia. They can be right in there. Now, I thought it was interesting. Um, Derek got a great question. Who would you rather get drunk on a month-long kayak trip with, Lincoln Riley or Gary Patterson? Maybe rank all 10 coaches in this scenario. Now, Derek went with Mike Gundy at number one. I think that's a good choice. But I gotta be honest, I think the way to go, my hunch, the way to go, Dana Holgerson. Now I'm a little partial here because I met Dana Holgerson when I worked at Sports Illustrated last summer and he was just such a down to earth and good guy to spend time with. But I think I'd go Dana Holgerson at the top of my list. Then probably go to Mike Gundy right after that. But it's a great debate to be had, one we can have at our tailgates, at our Heartland College sports tailgates throughout the season. So stay tuned for that information coming up throughout the summer. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly. Always appreciate you guys joining us, being a part of the show, 
getting involved. If you missed the show, go on iTunes. You can download the podcast there. We'll talk to you next week, same time, same place, right here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. 2,000 country stations. Yeah, we're one big country nation. That's right.